Hi, I'm Zainab, your host, and welcome back to A Dental Life. We've had a bit of a break over summer, but we're back, and this episode's guest is Dr. Adam Holder. In this episode, we talk about widening participation, improving access to dentistry for underrepresented backgrounds, and reducing inequalities. Adam has also been carrying out some really cool research into ways to make dentistry more accessible. This episode is also quite useful for applicants because Adam shares lots of tips and advice for getting into dental school, especially if you're from a widening participation background. But it's also a good episode to listen to if you want to know more about this issue and how to help. I hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcast and follow me on Instagram at A Dental Life. So Adam, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Introduce yourself. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my name's Adam Holder. I um, I work as a tutor at the dental school in Sheffield. Uh, and I, I used to be a, shoot, a student at Sheffield about seven years or so ago. Um, so I, I sort of did my dental degree at Sheffield and then I worked for a bit uh, in, in a number of different jobs, including working in a, a max fax department, which is like head and neck cancer and trauma and that type of thing. And then for the past sort of three or four years I've been working as a tutor at the dental school for part of the week um yeah and it's yeah it's, it's it's a really good job and I came I came from what's known as a widening participation or underrepresented background which is basically a background that doesn't have as many people at university than some other backgrounds um and I was just quite keen to try and help more people uh, you know, in in a similar position to what I was when I was like 16, 17, uh, try, and, try and get into university, basically. Okay. Um. So what, what were your like experiences getting into university? You said you're from a widening participation background. So, I, you know, I, I don't mind saying that I'm a, I'm a white male, which actually is at one of the most overrepresented backgrounds at university. Uh, but I'm from uh, a working class background. So none of my parents or, you know, family went to university and they never had like professional jobs. Like my dad's an electrician and my mum's a, well, she was a, a she worked in a call center yeah. um, for, you know, for most of her working life. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I was also, the school that I was at was like a failing school and the postcode that I live in um, had a, a low, percentage of people going to university from that postcode so I kind of like ticked a number of boxes uh, there's, there's lots of other boxes as well it could be that you could be uh, disabled for example it could be from certain ethnic minorities or it could be that you are a refugee for example or that you are a carer uh, or that you were in care you know like you might have been adopted or foster you know like a foster child that type of thing and there's just a number of reasons why you might find it a little bit more difficult in your application to university than other people um, and yeah, so I, I was keen to help people who were in a similar position to me uh, get into university because part of getting into university, unfortunately, is this, this kind of concept of what's known as the hidden curriculum, which is almost like a secret kind of little hints and tips that some people know and some people don't to get into university. And often people whose parents went to university or people whose for example, if you're applying to dentistry, whose mum or dad are a dentist or who know a dentist, uh, often can help you uh, more than, you know, I, I mean, I love my mum and dad, but obviously my dad being an electrician and my mum working in a call centre, they had basically no connections with dentistry or yeah. university or anything like that. So they couldn't provide me with any of those kind of head starts, as it were. Yeah, um, 
so yeah, yeah I um so yeah my like my dad's a dentist so I got a lot of help when it came to like getting work experience and things like that um so I can imagine if you've not got any links like you said it'd be a lot harder to do all that so you spoke about sort of widening participation um and how it can be harder to get into university from certain backgrounds um why is it harder like what are the inequalities that they'd have to face or the barriers they'd have to face to get in I, yeah I, I think it's a, li a little bit like what you were saying because I think a big thing I mean I'm talking specifically about dentistry here but this is the case yeah. for a lot of healthcare courses as well such as medicine uh, you know physiotherapy radiotherapy that type of thing nursing to a degree um is that often part of the application process is that you want you to get things like work experience um and obviously if you know someone that is a dentist it, you would imagine it's probably going to be a little bit easier to get work experience at a dental practice if you know a dentist or you know your one of your parents or aunties or uncles or whatever is a dentist yeah and um, so obviously that's kind of like a barrier in a way and it's also things like often you just you just know more about dentistry basically if your parents are dentists you know because you'll, you'll hear them talking about things like root canals and <laughs> implants and how yeah. the nhs works and it's, it's just that kind of it's just that kind of knowledge that you pick up um, you know it's almost like if your dad is a really big football fan you're probably going to know a little bit about football kind of thing and it's not it's not that your dad sat you down and said right I'm now going to teach you about football kind of thing it's more just yeah. you pick up little bits of what they're saying um, and it's, it's that type of thing and that that's something that people who have connections to university or connections to dentistry or medicine or whatever have and that's no that's no fault of theirs you know they're perfectly entitled to have that um but obviously there's there's some teenagers generally you know um that are trying to apply for courses like that and don't have any of these connections so i think it's just it's just trying to make the process more fair really yeah yeah i've read somewhere that like having been privileged it's not that you've got extra things it's like you've not got something holding you back it's looking at it a different way yes yeah yeah and I think a really good like analogy, a really good way to explain it is almost like if you're running a race and the people that might be running that race can sort of run a bit of like a shorter race. You might have yeah. to run 100 metres, but the people that you're running against might only have to run 50 metres, for example. Um, and that's not I think it's important for me to say that I'm not I'm absolutely not against people who parents were dentists or who were connected to dentistry or who went to private school or whatever getting into dentistry I've got no problem with that and actually my my wife went to private school so I've got no I'd be very much a hypocrite if I yeah. you know, said that but I think what I'm trying to say is I think it should be that basically the people who work hardest and get the best grades should get in no matter what the background is yeah. and I think unfortunately sometimes someone who gets really good grades but is from a disadvantaged background doesn't go as far who's as someone who's got the same grades that's but from an advantage background so it's just trying to you know if if you're good enough you should deserve to get in um but I, but I do think there are some situations where people it, you know aren't being fairly treated basically yeah. um so yeah do you think also so obviously like if you've got the grades and everything then that's sort of one tick box that you've got um but like you said, with the hidden curriculum, I think so to get into dentistry, you need to also have like extracurriculars and certain like, I don't know, manual dexterity and like, you know, lots of other little boxes that you have to tick. Um, so, yeah, it's not enough to just sort of like it's one thing to to work really hard and get the grades, but 
if you're from a certain background, you might not be able to get all those other things, even if you've worked really hard. Yeah, no, definitely. Absolutely. Because obviously, like you said, the, the key part of getting into courses like medicine and dentistry and, and similar courses at universities, getting the correct grades, of course. But uh, another big part of it is obviously doing the interviews and getting the right work experience and putting the right things on your personal yeah. statement. And yeah, that, that forms part of what is known as this hidden curriculum. So obviously a curriculum is this concept of like what's what's the stuff that you need to know it's almost like you need to know this yeah. stuff to pass the exam or whatever and the, the the idea that it's hidden is that basically some people know about it and often they don't even realize that they know about it if you know what I mean it's just yeah. like something that they've absorbed from listening to the parents talk or whatever um but obviously some people don't know about it um and yeah and it is, it is stuff like I, I mean I've had some um applicants from disadvantaged backgrounds say things to me like it, it's told me that I need to dress formal for the interview. What oh. what does that mean? You know, does that mean I need to wear a suit or what does that, and especially for, for girls, I think it's much more difficult for girls because generally for boys, it's basically, oh, I'll, I'll probably wear a suit. Yeah. But for girls, it's like, should I wear a skirt? Should I not wear a skirt? You know, what shoes should I wear? Should I wear high heels? Should I not wear high heels? How much makeup should I wear? You know, all this kind of stuff. And it's th those are quite simple questions. Yeah. But when you've not got anyone to answer those questions for you it's it's really difficult um so yeah so I think it's just it's just little it's they're often these things in this hidden curriculum are often like really little things actually which on their own wouldn't really amount to anything but obviously if you have sort of 10 or 20 of these little questions that you don't know the answer to obviously that can put you at a disadvantage compared to some other people yeah sounds like a really difficult problem to solve just because there are so many like little things um, mm. and the, the barriers can come from like your parents or your school or your postcode, like all the different things you said. And um, yes, how can we, how can we tackle all these inequalities? Um, I, I think obviously it's, it's a very difficult issue to address. And I think it's something that, um, you know, it's a bit like climate change in that everyone's got yeah. to sort of take, you know, um, do their part. Um, but I think, a big a big thing about it is just trying to provide as much information as possible and make the process of applying to university as transparent as possible um, and i know that a, a lot of universities are really trying to do a lot to to help that process um, you know i know uh, certainly at, at sheffield one of the things that they say now for, for medicine and dentistry is all they say is dress smartly mm -hmm. and it so that doesn't mean wear a suit you know because that's often the other thing is that some people might not necessarily be able to afford yeah. a suit um you know for the interview especially if it's something that you're probably only going to wear once or once or twice in your you know in your life it's a bit like I can't afford mm. I don't know 150 pounds 200 pounds to spend on a suit when I'm only going to wear it for one day um so you know I think it's it's little things like that and also it's things like um like the research projects that I'm working on and the things that other universities do, these outreach projects, as they call them, where basically they're trying to just provide students that are from these underrepresented backgrounds with more information. Um, and obviously then it, it still obviously is up to the students to to get the grades and, and that type of thing. And, you know, the the students still have to sit the interviews and all that type of stuff. But obviously the more information that you give them, the more likely they are to succeed, basically. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your research project. Can you tell us a bit mm -hmm. about that? 
Uh, yeah, so it's called it's called NowPass, um, which stands for the Network of Online Widening Participation Access Schemes, um, and basically it's it's been running for for nearly three years now. It's since sort of two thousand and eighteen, um, and it's a it's a completely online program, uh, and I I set it up with my brother because I'm I'm the oldest in my family, and my brother's about three years younger than me, and he he studied medicine. Um, as well, uh, you know, and obviously we're both from the same the yeah. same background, and we wanted to try and help more people who were from backgrounds similar to ours, basically, um, because what we found is that, like a, like I was saying a minute or so ago, that universities are providing these outreach programs uh, where they will help students from underrepresented backgrounds but the, the problem with those programs is that they can only take on a certain number of students there's often limited to say 30 students or 50 students per year and also these these outreach programs certainly before covid anyway they were pretty much all face to face um, and generally during school time so some students just couldn't get because they just couldn't get time out of school or they couldn't travel you know because yeah. I, I heard stories of some students having to do like a three-hour round train trip to try and attend these outreach events and things like that. Are they and, all and in the, the, sort of? If you were in Sheffield, would it be at the Charles Clifford? Yes. Yeah, yeah which but, is uh, quite like an affluent area. So. Yes. Yeah, yes, it's diff difficult to get to, mm. and they would they would give money and um, they would pay for your travel expenses, but what would generally happen is that you would get it after the event so it'd have to be that you'd have to pay for it yourself at first, and then you'd kind of get it like refunded you know, like a month afterwards or whatever. Um, so what we thought is we want to try and make it fully online so that basically someone can be sat in the pyjamas in the bedroom yeah. on the phone and basically learning everything that they need to learn to get into university, essentially. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we've run that, like I said, now for about two and a half, three years, and it's been really successful. We've had, it's, well, nearly... 60% uh, of people that have come through the programme have got onto the, the first choice oh, yeah. course at the first choice uni, yeah, which is wow. which is really, really good. And is um, it, it's not just for Sheffield, it's, is it like the whole UK? Yeah, so it's, a, it's any, any health-related course yeah. at any UK university. Um, so we've had applicants for, I think we've had applicants successfully get onto something like 11 different health-related courses at 17 different universities. Uh, including really prestigious universities like such as King's College London and University of Sheffield and Manchester and Birmingham and Newcastle, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So really, uh, Durham, that's another one that someone got into, you know, so that really prestigious universities. Um, and I think the reason that we feel it's been successful is because people can just access it whenever. Because, the, you know, there's times when you feel a bit more switched on to learning than others, isn't there? You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. it might be that you wake up at nine o'clock on a Monday morning and you think, oh God, I really can't be bothered with school today or whatever. But then equally, sometimes at six o'clock on a Thursday night, you might think, actually, I'm in quite a good mood to work right now. Um, you know, so people can engage with it when they're kind of switched on and ready to engage with it. I mean, we've even had people using it on Christmas day and things like that. Um, so it's whatever's good for them, really. Um, so I think that's been a big, a big thing of it. Uh, and this is, we're now doing a research project to, to basically try and work out 
why it's been successful and, and how we can expand it basically yeah so it, you don't have to like apply to it and go through an application process you can just access it no so yeah so this is something that the, the funding has allowed us to do because previously for the previous sort of two or three years that we've been running we've had to keep it relatively limited in terms of yeah. its numbers um because we were basically doing it for free um yeah. in, a, in a spare time um but what's really great about this funding is that it now allows us to essentially open it up to anyone so we will lit literally anyone can access now pass no matter what your background uh, or, or your age you know because we're very you know very much happy to welcome mature applicants so that's applicants yeah. that are over the age of 21 and are looking to apply to university um but yeah we and um, there's going to be a, a select group of the people who are involved in now pass who might get some additional support uh because of their you know they might be from a, a deprived background or that type of thing but anyone can access the the vast majority of the program completely for free yeah oh no it sounds really really interesting um I think so there's other things that students like potential applicants can do um the access to dentistry program at Sheffield I think there's other things like that around the country in different universities where they yeah I'm sure you know whether students like I don't know do like a week at the dental school and um then get support with their personal statement as well and get reduced um entry requirements for university yeah, no, I think what's because I think this is a big thing as well is that often this kind of ties into this concept of the hidden curriculum is often there's actually quite a lot of help out there yeah. with students off no fault of their own, but often they don't they don't know that this help exists, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's really simple, but I think anyone listening to this who, you know, is kind of interested in that, I would type in university of whatever, you know, whichever is your nearest university, you know, it might be University of Birmingham or University of Newcastle or whatever and type in dentistry for example or nursing or whatever course you're interested in applying for yeah. outreach scheme and you'll probably find something on there and it, and it may well be that you can you can join that outreach program at that university um, and yeah like I said often it's just a case that people don't know that these programs exist um, yeah. um I first sort of realized a lot of this stuff um, when I did the clearing helpline in summer and I just sort of saw, saw the inequalities and then thinking about it afterwards like the students that didn't get in the ones that are from a more disadvantaged background how many more barriers they'd have to face to reapply yes. um, yeah yeah so that's when I started thinking about it and I started thinking like what could students do um and one of one of the things I thought about was that like if you are from so your school that you went to um going back to the school and doing like a talk about dentistry uh, how to get in and different like tips and things are things like that useful yeah absolutely absolutely I think I think any student from any background I mean there was a there was a student in my year whose um dad is one of the wealthiest landowners in the whole of the UK yeah. and you know he's basically he's a multi-millionaire before yeah. he even came to university and he was one of the most humble down to earth helpful students that i've ever encountered and he did a lot of these kind of talks and you could kind of say well how's he going to inspire a, a kid from a council estate when he's you know his dad's sir this and you know that type yeah. of thing but it it doesn't matter what your background is 
you can still you can still help out and you can still be an inspiration and I think I think a big part about applying to healthcare courses is unfortunately often people don't see many people that look like them or might come from a similar background to them or you know talk a similar way to them that type of thing and they just therefore think oh well I'm, I'm not going to apply then yeah um, like don't think about uh, doing it yeah yeah ex- exactly it's like because there's, there's not a lot of people that look like me so therefore I'm probably not going to fit in and I think well one that's not true because there are people that look at you it's just unfortunately they might not be as, as prevalent as mm. some other people um but also you have to kind of be your own role model sometimes and you have to kind of in, you know inspire yourself yeah. and then what you will find is that you'll inspire others after you really and I, I certainly found that with my school I mean I was really honored about two years ago I I was invited to be kind of like the guest of honor oh. at the GCSE awards yeah. evening at my school which I was like absolutely flattered about because when I did it they had this guy that had single-handedly trekked to the North Pole or something like that and then and then when I did it for these 16 year olds it was me and I kind of said that I said I don't really feel like I'm an inspiration I said but you know I'm I'm one of the few students from this school to go to university yeah and the biggest advice I would give is just believe in yourself and if, if you work hard you will get there and don't just because there might not be people that look like you or talk like you or come from the same part of the city or whatever as you do doesn't mean that you don't belong there if you are smart enough and you are working hard enough and you care and are determined you can you can get where you want to be yeah Mm. I think schools as well play a big part in it um but obviously that's such a big thing to try and fix like that's beyond us isn't it that's more like government yeah, I think I think a big part of it is funding, unfortunately. And I think, I mean, I was very fortunate because although my school, like I said, was literally, it was quite literally falling apart. I mean, there's a time once it were in assembly and the ceiling actually collapsed really? midway through this assembly. <laughs> but I was really fortunate. There was, well, there's a lot of teachers there, but there's certainly a number, like a core group of teachers there that were fantastic and really cared about the kids and were really inspirational. And I think those teachers kind of set me on the path to, to university really uh, but I think unfortunately with government cuts and things I think that obviously the teaching workforce is is not you know it's quite demoralized sadly um, and it, so it, it does make it difficult but I think that's where programs such as now pass will hopefully come in and, and help you know bridge that gap really because like I said if, if this is a program that's available any anywhere anytime you know and it's free and anyone can access it you know provided you've got internet access you can get access to this program then hopefully i i appreciate that's not going to help everyone but mm. i hope that it's going to help a lot more people than than what's been helped at the moment yeah yeah and um i guess over time the inequality will get smaller and like how you said that you know students might not apply because they don't see many people there so your program yes. just help yeah. And I think I think a very good example of that, which is quite a simplistic example, to be honest, but a very good example in dentistry is that up until about 1995 or something like that, dentistry was very male dominated. It was something yeah. like 80 percent male oh, in wow. terms of dentists and the people going through, you know, dental students were male. Yeah. And then 
the, the universities and, and schools and, and, and the government had a real push to try and basically bring in more women into dentistry. And now it's actually a situation where I think dentistry is something like 63% female. Yeah, um, yeah, that's how so, it is. Yeah, so, so women outnumber men in some cases two to one now in dentistry, which which is fantastic. Um, you know, it's, and, it, and, and that's how it should be. And I think obviously now, you know, I would, I'm obviously not a woman myself, but I would imagine that as a woman, it's not the fact of gender that's necessarily stopping you apply to university anymore because there's a lot of women that do dentistry it's just unfortunately like I said it, it might be that they're not of the same sort of background as you yeah um, that, that might put you off but it, it can this is an issue that can be overcome and similar issues have been overcome previously it's just something that takes time um, yeah. and it takes individuals to sort of stand up basically so yeah yeah and it can't just be fixed with like you can't just look at one little aspect of it there's like a big picture yes um, exactly yeah oh okay what well can students and young dentists do anything to help other than like going back to the school um like I said yeah is there anything else I, I think I think doing things like what you're doing to be honest podcasts okay. like this and I know people have YouTube channels and yeah you have Instagram accounts and Instagram live you know and that type of thing and um even people have stuff on TikTok and things like that now I, because I think that's part of the problem is a lot of universities, the people that often run these kind of programs are really fantastic and they're really well-meaning, but obviously they're older than most of the people that are applying for university. So they, they're not 17, 18, 19 years old or whatever. They're probably more like my age, like 30-ish basically. And, you know, I don't know any, I don't have TikTok and I don't have Snapchat and my youngest brother he says about discord i'd never even heard of that no, you know all these all these different apps and and stuff and he buys all his clothes on depop i've yeah. never even heard of depop <laughs> until he said about it you know but probably for for younger people they think oh my god how can you not know about depop kind of yeah. thing you know um but i think that's a big thing of it is that the people that probably are running these programs often don't know how younger people communicate and the and the apps that they use and the way that they interact with social media and the internet and that type of thing and i think so that's why people such as yourself who obviously are are dental students and are younger and are closer to the age that the people yeah. are that are applying you basically know better what's going to connect with these people so i think that i think just doing things like what you're doing is a it, you know, it's having a massive a massive impact and I don't think it should be you know like under underplayed really yeah so what are your top tips for students who want to apply to dental school I would say there's there's some really simple things and this is obviously specific for dentistry but what I would say is getting work experience and I appreciate people will say well how can we get work experience during COVID yeah. but what's really good is COVID has meant that universities now accept online work experience uh, as, as valid work experience. And there's some really, really good programs online, uh, including the Royal College of GPs do this program called Observe GP, um, which I appreciate obviously is, is more directed towards medicine, but it is still relevant for dentistry. Uh, and it's basically just a series of videos that you watch um, and it's an interaction between healthcare professionals and patients. 
and that gives you like a certificate at the end of it to say that you've, you've done it and that can be used to, to claim as work experience um, there's also one by Brighton and Sussex Medical School called virtual work experience and that's a program that takes about well it can take up to 30 hours to complete but that's like shed loads of work experience basically yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's also this um, website called future learn which oh, is yeah. really and it has it has something on it called discover dentistry yeah yeah it's brilliant it's actually made by one of my colleagues at sheffield university chris yeah. stokes and that for anyone applying to any dental related course so not just dentistry but like hygiene and therapy or biodental science and technology or whatever then i would definitely recommend that because it's it's really really good and again that counts as work experience so i think that's a big thing and i think also try and talk in your personal statement about different dental specialties so you don't have to list every dental specialty but what i would advise is at least say one or two and say why you find them interesting i would also advise again this is specifically for dental applications but i would, I would also probably advise against say starting your personal statement by saying something like i got into dentistry because i had orthodontics <laughs> and now i've got straight teeth and that makes yeah. you know that makes me happy and wants me to be a dentist because honestly I've probably read about 400 personal statements over the past five years or so that I've been doing interviews. And I would say 80% of dental personal statements start with words to the effect of, I went to the orthodontist and I got straight teeth and that's why I want to be a dentist. And they re they, those personal statements kind of like blur into one, basically. Yeah, they need to be. Um, yeah, so it, that may well be a contributing factor to why you want to do dentistry, but I would try and think of maybe other reasons to put at the start of your personal statement because if every personal statement starts the same the you know they, they get a bit boring to be quite honest um and then also a little bit like what you were saying earlier on i think it's important to talk about the extracurricular skills that you've got and talk about things like manual dexterity and that can be anything from things like playing guitar or doing art or doing things like henna or knitting or doing jigsaw puzzles or whatever there's actually quite a lot of things we've had people say that they play computer games or that they build computers you know that type of thing and that they're they're all legitimate examples of uh, manual dexterity uh, and i think the final thing is if anyone does anything like part-time jobs like i had an applicant that once i saw in their application that they worked at burger king and the applicant didn't say anything about it in the interview and then I asked them about it and they said oh I didn't want to say that I didn't want to tell you that I worked at Burger King so I'm quite embarrassed about that mm -hmm. and I was like why I was like working at Burger King is fantastic experience for being a dentist and, yeah. and the reason I say that is because you've got to you know you've got to be a good communicator you've got to have good teamwork you've got to have time management skills you've got to know things like health and safety you know it, you've got to get up you know you've got to get up at a certain time and get in and you've got to be there for a certain amount of hours you know so you've got to be like you know a professional in your approach so actually working at burger king is fantastic um and i certainly know there's, there's a couple of professors at the university of sheffield that started their almost like their dental career by doing a bit of dentistry and also working part-time at asda and tesco and now they're two of the most I won't tell you which ones they are because obviously you're at Sheffield as well, but they're two of the most senior professors at Sheffield Dental School mm -hmm. and they started at 17 stacking shelves in Asda, yeah. you know, so don't, don't downplay if you do any kind of part-time job or volunteering or sports coaching or whatever, 
you don't realize that actually there's a lot of transferable skills in those jobs and don't be embarrassed to say about it if anything you should celebrate those yeah. experiences you have yeah really like sell yourself um hmm. do you yeah, think absolutely do you think um so if you if you do come from like a, a less privileged background and you, you spoke about it in your personal statement would that sort of help you or would it Make, uh, that yes it, it can do I mean thankfully um a lot of because when you put in the information on the UCAS personal statement it collects things like your postcode and what school you go to or what school you went to if you're you know if you're not at school anymore or, or college or whatever um and it actually it, it generally will actually work that out anyway and there'll be a little mark almost like a little uh, it looks like a post-it note almost on people's applications that's automatically generated and will say this candidate is from a disadvantaged background so you, you don't have to have said anything but it will it will make the assessor aware um you you may want to write that in your personal statement um but i wouldn't i wouldn't worry if you've not wrote that and i wouldn't try and base your entire personal statement around that you could maybe put something like I'm the first person in my family to go to university or, you know, all that type of thing. Or if, if you were, for example, you were a ref refugee or you're from you know, being in care or something like that, then I'd certainly I'd certainly put something like that. Um, but I think if it's more just a case that like for me, for example, when I did my personal statement, I didn't say about my background because I kind of knew that. It would get picked up anyway the fact that my postcode and my school would get flagged up um but i did say that i was involved in some widening participation work uh, and and people if anyone was to be involved in now pass for example the research project that i'm doing they're very welcome to put that i am a participant in now pass yeah. and that is a that is an outreach project and that that would help as well so it's up to you really, but I wouldn't say it strengthens your application. I wouldn't say it weakens it, but if you are going to put it in, don't spend too much time talking about it because you're only quite limited for how many words you can put in your personal statement. Yeah, true. Did you say that you were, you were doing work with widening participation when you were in high school? Yeah, so I've, I've been doing it. I've been involved in widening participation to one degree or another since 2007. So for 14 years now. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've, I've been involved in it for a long time and obviously COVID has had a big impact on it, but it's something that's developed a lot over time. And like I said, I, I think that the work that universities do is fantastic. But like I said, I, I felt a, a deficiency was this fact that you could only access it in person and only on certain days and certain times. And obviously to be fair, in some respects, COVID has changed that, but these things still generally run nine to five, Monday to Friday during school term time. Um, so I wanted to try and help create something that's available literally three o'clock on a Saturday morning. If you want to, yeah. if you want to look at your phone and look about how to get into university, you, you're welcome to do it basically. So, yeah, I, th I think what you've got to remember as well is that, and I mean this in a nice way, but obviously there's only so much that you can do as an individual. And I think yeah. there's only so much that you can do when you are a dental student as well. And I think it's very important to remember that you've got to pass your dental studies yeah. Um, and I certainly I actually failed one of my dental exams in I think third year because I was spending too much time helping other people if you yeah. get me yeah uh, and, and I really sat in it was all fine but 
it kind of made me realize that obviously you do have to dedicate a lot of time to helping other people but obviously especially when you're dental students you've got to pass lots of exams and stuff you've got to make sure that your priority remains yourself which is not saying be selfish but what i'm saying is, is the more Just you can help people time. more the more experience you get and I, I i'm helping people more now that i'm 30 than i was when i was 20 for example yeah. but i wouldn't have got to where i was at 30 if i'd not spent time on myself at 20 if you know what I mean yeah, yeah um so yeah so do do help others but sometimes helping yourself helps you to help others too if you know what I mean yeah I guess just keeping it in mind like throughout your whole career yes ex exactly because I think that's the thing is there's a lot of dental students that engage in this type of thing a lot when they're a student and then the second they graduate they kind of drop it and I think it's a lot better to just engage with it bit by bit over your entire career and that will have a significantly greater impact than doing almost like an all or nothing approach so yeah cool okay thanks so much again um it's okay thank you very much thank you to everyone who tuned in i've also shared some information about NARPAS on my instagram so head over there to find out more at a dental life